I'm Randy Rohde, and I'm fascinated with entrepreneurs and small business owners. Plus, I love baseball. Every show, I sit down with a small business owner, and we discuss their running the bases of entrepreneurship. We throw the ball around on strategy, management, execution, and innovation. Plus, a little fun baseball talk. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Settle in, grab your Cracker Jacks, and you know what they say. Play ball. Okay, it's a great day for a ball game. This is Randy Rohde with Running the Bases with Small Businesses. And I'm getting a little hungry just thinking about our conversation with today's guest. Our uh, our guest today is a serial entrepreneur currently finding success with his third business in the restaurant space. Born in Columbus, but raised outside of Cleveland, our guest was influenced by his mother, working very hard, who had a successful nine-to-five job, but also was an entrepreneur with her own startup business. So our guest has spent 17 years owning and operating restaurants and catering companies and has just added author to his resume. We currently can find him working with his family in a very tight space. Please welcome the owner and operator of the mobile food truck business, Jackpot Chicken Food Truck, and the author of So You Want to Be a Food Trucker. (laughs) I love that. All right. Welcome to the show, Rick Coleman. Welcome, Rick. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate you having me uh, on this morning. Yeah. So I'm so excited. Uh, Well, it's great to connect with you again. For our listeners, you know, I've been interested in food trucks, I don't know, for a long time, actually. One of my all-time favorite movies is uh, the movie Chef with John Favreau. I love that concept of, you know, getting the truck and roll out, and they did a whole big road trip kind of thing. But, you know, I find the operations and the whole concept, the lifestyle, maybe a little interesting. So recently, though, I was uh, at at an event with my kids and we came upon Rick's truck and uh, I saw that he had written a book and I thought this guy might be a little fun to have on the show. And so, you know, we're going to get into great depth on the food truck business, but tell us a little bit first though about Jackpot Chicken Food Truck, Rick. And I love your slogan. I think it's um, chicken so good it will make you feel like you won the lottery. Yeah. So, um, jackpot chicken, uh, this is our fifth year in operation. You know, it started off just as a, an idea that my wife and I kind of had, um, after transitioning from a carry from a restaurant to a carry out brick and mortar location. And we said, you know, with the way things are transitioning in the world, in order to be successful and to reach as many people as possible, you have to be mobile. So we decided to start Jackpot Chicken Food Truck. We go by Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. You know, that's just one of our tags. <laughs> another you know, and it's, another it's a family. John Favreau movie. <laughs> yes, 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 it is. <laughs> it is. So, uh, and actually, Chef is a title of one of the chapters in my book. So a lot of my beginning inspiration um, actually came from that movie. It's very... You know, ironic that you uh, you mentioned that because that's where it kind of all began for us. You know, like I said, we were transitioning from a carry out, you know, brick and mortar style uh, of service. And, you know, we wanted to get into the food truck industry, but we had no experience. And it just so happened that for a while, you know, people kept mentioning that movie. 
and it was during a time where I had to carry out and I had a, a sports bar. So I was just extremely busy. I never had the opportunity to watch it. And finally I did. Uh, and it was kind of like one of those aha moments, right. you know, like this is, this is what I want to do. This is, you know, the next uh, opportunity for me and my family. And, you know, I just saw that it would create a lot of uh, freedom in our life. You know, when you have a brick and mortar, you're, you're tied down, you know, usually 12, 13, 14 hours a day, you know, open the clothes and, and sourcing things beforehand and after. And so I just said, Hey, you know, the, the craze hasn't really hit Northeast Ohio yet. Even though food trucks are about 10 years, 10, uh, about 10 to 15 years now into Northeast Ohio, it still hasn't caught on like it has in, you know, let's say California or Austin, Texas or Dallas and places like that. So I still think that uh, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for growth. And so we just try to capitalize on it. Man, I love it. All right. All right. So we are going to get into some depth in the food truck business and what you're doing. And, and obviously your whole uh, restauranting history here, but I want to go back. So you started, um, I'm going to go back. You were born in Columbus. You moved to the suburb of mm-hmm. in Cleveland here, your mother worked outside the home, also operated her own business. Now, what what um, small business did your mother do? So uh, my mother is a top exec in the United States Census Bureau. And so she's been there for about 38 years, but she's always had a small business and she does tax services more individual than, you know, mm-hmm. uh, business tax services. But, you know, she, she operated this small business from our home when I was a kid, you know, and now she lives in Philadelphia and it's actually funny. She, her, she has about 300, 400 clients and they all still send their, wow. you know, stuff to her in Philadelphia. They're very loyal to her. She'll actually come, sometimes she'll come back into Cleveland to during tax season just to, you know, service her clients. And so I've always watched my mom uh, hustle. You know, she, she's definitely a hustler and that's where I get it from. You know, she has a different uh, style or approach to her business. Hers is more so like, Hey, I just, this is something I like to do. And at the time when she was a single parent of my sister and I, it was an, a second stream of income for hers, you know? And so she saw opportunity within our community uh, of Painesville, where I lived at the time. And, you know, she felt that she could help people. So she never really charged, you know, what her, her worth was because she just wanted to kind of help people, but also make a little bit of money on the side. So for her clients, you know, instead of going to the large corporations like, you know, right, Jackson right. Hewitt or H&R Block and paying for three, four, five hundred dollars $500, you know, she was able to offer the same services. and She still only charges like 90 bucks. You know, and so she every year she gets her she gets recertified and, you know, she stays up to date on the tax codes and everything. And she still offers her service for the same price, you know. And so, like I said, it's different than what I would do, (laughs) you know, because, you know, I I have different visions when it comes to entrepreneurship uh, and scaling my business. But, you know, bless her, bless her heart. Um, you know, that's what she loves to do and she still continues to do it. Man, good for her. Uh, well, that's a great price. I might have to look at her, yeah. <laughs> look her up as well. <laughs> so listen, I understand. So both your mom and your grandmother, who you were with as well, or close by, both loved cooking. Is is that where kind of the whole restaurateur began to, I don't know, influence you? Have, have you always loved food and, and maybe cooking? Yeah, so... 
my and my family, and it's actually like my my godmother and my mother and, and a lot of other uh, people, in my family, uh, a lot of my uncles as well. It's just you know, it's just one of those things. You know, growing up as a kid, a lot of my memories were all centered around family gatherings and barbecues and waking up on holidays and my mother or my my grandparents or godparents or whatnot uh, were cooking big breakfasts. And so it just kind of always piqued my interest. And, you know, as a kid, got into the kitchen at a young age. It was something that I, I really enjoyed. When I was in high school, I worked in restaurants um, and I, I've served a few times. So I've always been in the restaurant industry one way or another uh, mm. since I've been about 17 years old. And so for me, as I got older and I was into different business ventures, I always tried to find something that was kind of recession proof mm. as much as close to being as recession proof as possible. And for me is the food industry. People always have to eat, right? you know, and, and people always will eat obviously. And so for me, it was always just, Hey, how do I take my, my passion and turn it into profits? Right. Right. Did you always see yourself kind of stepping out on your own, uh, being your own boss? Oh, for sure. You know, I've worked different, you know, nine to five jobs before in, in management. I've done some corrections work as well. Uh, and, and to be honest, I'm just not built to work for anyone. It, it's just not who I am. Uh, you know, and, and I like the freedom and the luxuries that come with being an entrepreneur. To some people, it's, you know, it's a, it's a scary thought knowing that you, you're not guaranteed a paycheck, you know, every, every two weeks. But to me, the scary thought is only getting paid 26 times a year. Uh, and that's something that just doesn't sit well with me. And I welcome an opportunity to go out and create a, a stream of income for myself and my family every day. I love that. I love that quote. Uh, only getting paid 26 times a year. That is, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I like getting paid every day. Uh, and even exactly. when I'm sleeping is even better. Um, well, let's, flash, sure. <laughs> yeah, let's flash forward here a little bit though. So you opened a sports bar and from what I understand, there's the story. I don't know if it's came out of a book or maybe on some previous speaking that you've done where you talk about, you know, when you were a kid and a great summer day that you would do with your friends is going to a local restaurant, taking a buck and getting 10 wings and just having a great time. And then that at some point really sparked in like, Hey, you go on this restaurant adventure with a sports bar in the suburbs of Cleveland. Why a sports bar? I guess were, were you are, are you a sports enthusiast? You love baseball, I guess. That's a, I, that's I even am. a good I question. Am. I, I do like uh, baseball. Was uh, my favorite sport growing up. Um, you know, I went to college and I played football. Um, I've coached high school sports for about fifteen years. I coached uh, collegiate track and field for two years. So I am definitely a sports uh, enthusiast. All my kids are very, very, very active in sports. Uh, my son's one of the top high school football players in Ohio right now. So, wow. you know, I'm very uh, involved in the sports community. Uh, but the, the story actually uh, that you were speaking of is my father uh, is from Cleveland. And so when I was young, you know, I spent some summers in Cleveland with my father. He would always give you know, this is like in the eighties, my cousins and I like a dollar or two. And so, you know, we grew up uh, in East Cleveland, 
off of Eddie Road. And so I just remember this, this small barbecue shack. It was called uh, B&M's Barbecue. Mm. And so at the time in the 80s, you know, a dollar would get you 10 wings. And so I, every day I, w- I would just go over there and I would spend my dollar on chicken wings. I was just, I thought they had the best wings in the world. I loved it. Uh, if it wasn't wings, it was a Polish boy, you know. And so growing up as a kid, you know, as B&M's actually end up scaling their business and having multiple locations throughout Cleveland, you know, it was it was always something I sought out. You know, if, if I was in an area and if I was hungry, I wanted some Polish boys ribs or wings, I would find the B&M's, you know. And so as I became an adult and I got into the restaurant business, I wanted to be the go-to place. I wanted right. people in my area to be like, hey, at the time, my place was called Wing Spot, um, Painesville. I want to go to Wing Spot and get some wings. I need to go to the place that has the best wings around. And so, you know, I just wanted to be able to provide an opportunity uh, to, you know, for people to create those memories, you know, centered around uh, my food. Yeah, yeah. I love that. B&M's. Are they still around even? I think they are, aren't they? They are. They yeah. Are. B&M's, B&M's has several locations throughout Greater Cleveland, as yeah. well as they were one of the original food truck purveyors in Cleveland as, as well. Yeah, yeah. Good. So starting a sports bar, which I can imagine is a daunting challenge just going from scratch successful right away or did you have to how did, how did you grow it i guess and what kind of a market so i i have purchased i purchased an existing uh bar it was a, a irish theme bar and i actually transitioned it into a wing spot which would be like more of a sports bar concept you know it, it was definitely one of the most challenging things that i've had to do in my life one, because I had no experience in the bar industry. And two, every man wants to own a bar in this life. That's like every man growing up, <laughs> especially in his 20s, man, I want to have a bar. But with that comes a lot of responsibility. Sure. It comes a lot of headaches. For me, the bar life is just something that I couldn't see myself retiring doing. So I ran the bar. I thought it was ultra successful, um, especially being one of the only black owned uh, liquor establishments within our city. It was very important for me to provide a establishment to where it was, it was diverse and everyone felt comfortable coming there. Um, You could have a good time. We had live entertainment, uh, wide selection of uh, alcoholic beverages, but obviously, you know, the food on top, you know, I thought that was important to have somewhere that, you know, provided great food uh, in addition to everything else that, you know, uh, a bar could offer. Well, I would imagine as well, having a sports bar in Cleveland, you probably had your fair share of sad Sunday afternoons <laughs> with the uh, <laughs> right. following the Browns. But I would imagine you probably had some fun times as well in it. Did you expand yes. the business and other options or other avenues? You know, I know you've mentioned catering. Did you do catering out of the, uh, the sports bar as well? So out of the sports bar, we did a lot of fundraising events. Uh, because where the bar was located, uh, Lake Erie College is the the main college there, and they, you know they had just became mm-hmm. a, a institution that had football and some other sports, and so um, I did a lot of partnerships with the school and their sports organizations. Um, I did some catering. Catering really didn't come into light until I actually got into the food truck business. Uh, so a lot of things that I did out of the bar were in the house because that was like my main focus at the time was just building everything I could within those four walls. So kind of coming into today's world, well, uh, you've got the food truck and interesting 
on the history of food trucks. So you mentioned, um, you know, B&M and maybe one of the first here in Northeast Ohio with food trucks and kind of the history of that. We found out a little bit of history on food trucks as a whole. I don't know if you are aware of this, but it really kind of goes back well into uh, the late 1800s. There was a guy named Walter Scott that uh, set up a covered wagon in front of a newspaper office in Providence, Rhode Island, and he sold sandwiches and coffee and uh, all different kinds of fun stuff like that. And then uh, the first taco truck was born in 1974 in California. So, yeah. yeah so I'm that, aware of that. Yeah. So there we go. So, and then, you know, kind of uh, 2015 or 16 or so, we got jackpot chicken truck here in Northeast sure. Ohio. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your current operation, watching the movie chef and seeing what they do. And it is a fast paced seems like can be just crazy, you know, just in like a, a onset of, um, I don't know the, the food rush for a couple of hours or something. Is that kind of what it's like? Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a lot of, um, cinematic appeal that goes into to that movie, you know, mm-hmm. just to make things seem uh, a little bit oh, yeah. sure. you know, more interesting or whatnot. But it, it definitely can be like that um, <laughs> for certain, you know, usually um, for lunch shifts, you're out, you know, like 1130 to 1, 130. Uh, and depending on the location that you're at, you know, you're serving 100, 150 people, you know, and so a lot of times, uh, especially if you're going to manufacturing companies, you know, people have 30 minutes for lunch. And so you get a large rush of people at, at one time, and, you know, it's, uh, it's very intense, you know? And so I always laugh at, um, not laugh, but laugh with my, my buddies who are in the restaurant business, you know, and they're all, you know, ah, it's a, it's a food truck. I can run that. I can do this. I'm like, well, the difference between my business and yours is you have 12 to 15 minutes to make a meal and to send it out to a customer. I said, in my industry, from the time a customer places their order, um, you have about two minutes uh, to get the food in their hand, you know, and so it's very, very, very fast paced. You just have to be efficient uh, in your operations, uh, your menu design. And so those things and learning those lessons over the course of five years are what have allowed us to be successful in this industry. So from the moment that you were watching the movie, and you say you had kind of your aha moment there. That's what I want to do. How long did it take you then to go from that idea of like, I want to do a food truck to wheels up and you are rolling down the road and starting to fry chicken? How long, how long did that take? It was about two years, actually. So when I finally had a chance to watch that movie, I was still in the bar business. And so my wife, um, as we weren't married at the time, but my, my wife, she helped me get into, she's like, Hey, she's pushing me. She's like, you know, I think you should just start doing a tent setup, you know? And so that was kind of like my introduction into kind of like the food truck concept, but you know, sometimes people start off with a tent or a trailer. Uh, and so I started doing festivals here and there for a little while, uh, quickly realized that I hated the tent setup. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how people really do that. It's just not for me. <laughs> and so, after again, like another year or so, I was able to um, transition to get into the food truck business and be on the road. 
I would imagine you kind of alluded to it already that it's quite a bit different than having a brick and mortar restaurant in the sense, you, you know, you're taking even just the, the amount of time that you have to be able to turn an order out for a customer. Was that kind of a huge learning curve for you? I, how did you, I guess I'm wondering, how did you move from, you know, the brick and mortar to the food truck and just that expediency of, uh, and of both obviously serving the customer, but even from a pure operations standpoint, I mean, you really mm-hmm. had to think about, okay, we need to process these orders quickly. So our method of in the kitchen, the kind of the back of the house has got to change kind of dramatically as well. How did you pick all of that up? I guess. I mean, a lot of it just came from one watching other trucks in the industry. Uh, so I would go to different locations or events that were being held and I would just observe other trucks. Um, and I would say, okay, this truck, this is their strength. This is their weakness. And so I just kind of took a lot of things that I, um, have found from other trucks and I'm like, all right, well, how can I take their strengths, you know, and, and kind of incorporate it to what I do? How can I see what they're doing poorly and make sure I, you know, I, I that's not one of my weaknesses. And, and but also the, the second part is just understanding the industry and the game that you're in. You have to move with a sense of urgency. You know, it, it's just it's just a totally different environment. And so I just knew that going into it. And a lot of it was providing, not providing, but um, creating a menu that would allow us to operate at a fast pace. Uh, you know, and so I had to scale down things that I would normally offer in a restaurant, you know, concept. Uh, so it would fit into a food truck business. Mm. So, um, from what I understand, so your, your wife and your son as well work with you in the food truck. How many employees do you have altogether? Uh, so we have a total of about 12 people that work, uh, with us. Um, and I I like to say with us instead of for us, uh, because it's truly, to me, it's truly a family. And I have my wife, my son. Um, a lot of my buddies are teachers, principals, athletic directors, some wives or guidance counselors. You know, it's a lot of people that have summers off. Mm. And so we we all work together. And so for them, you know, it's a it's a break from their normal, you know, nine to five normal environment that they're used to being in. Um, it's an opportunity for people to make a, you know, another stream of income. Right. Uh, and, and it's fun, you know, like at the end of the day, I, I say this all the time. Like my job is to cook chicken, listen to music and work with my family. Like I have the best, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I have the best job in the world. That is great. Uh, and so I truly enjoy it. That is great. Well, you're operating in a, in, you know, kind of a tight environment and, the trucks. I mean, I've seen your truck and it's the typical, you know, and if people think about what a food truck looks like, I mean, it's a typical kind of big paneled uh, truck uh, that you've converted. You got a great kitchen in there, but it's a tight space. How many people can you put in? I mean, what's a typical, you go someplace, you know, it's going to be busy. How many people are in there with you? So my, my truck is a, a smaller, uh, like people are familiar with the DHL, uh, box trucks. And so that's what I have. And that's what was converted into a food truck. Uh, I mean, you're right. I mean, there's definitely tight constraints, you know, small, uh, tight work environment. And so the way I set my operation up is I have one order taker. I have a fry person. 
I have someone that's on the grill and I have an expo person. And so usually there, there's four of us. For some reason, if there's an extremely large event, uh, we'll add a fifth person. Uh, and that person's sole responsibility is to sit in one space and all they do is pass out food. Mm. Um, they do nothing else. So everyone knows what their their job is. And, you, you know, because it is a tight area, you just kind of just do that. Right. You know, and so it, it, in a sense, it's like the, um, you know, the, the factory approach where it's like, hey, this is, you know, this is what you do. You know, you do this piece, you do, you know, produce that part, you know. So if you're the fry person, hey, you fry the chicken, you fry the wings, you pass it on to, you know, to the to the expo person and whatnot. So. Right, right. So I have a question for you. Uh, I'm sure in restaurant and stuff that I've read and have, I guess, seen or witnessed is that, you know, there's a lot of food prep that happens well before a customer walks up and, and places in order. Do you, do you do the prep inside the truck or is it all done even before you go hit, hit the gas and land at a spot? No. So for us, uh, here in Northeast Ohio, we actually do not have to have a commissary attached to our business if you're self-contained and meaning you have your own electric and water mm-hmm. sources and whatnot. So for me, uh, one of the things that I do is, you know, I get up early and I get to my truck and I, you know, fire up the propane and I start actually cooking the chicken, um, our slow cooked chicken at like four or five in the morning every day. And then from there, we would arrive on site uh, usually about two hours prior to when we begin serving and we do all the rest of our prep. And so that allows us to, again, produce a customer's meal in under two minutes uh, because we're so um, thorough and efficient in how we prep. Okay. All right. So you kind of do it all in the truck and early morning, which is great. So what is that? You kind of allude a little bit on what a day looks like. What's a typical week look like for food truck operator? I mean, I, I guess it depends. To answer that question, it depends on what type of hustler that person is. For me, you know, our food truck business runs April through first week in November. Okay. Uh, and we try to go out two times, two to three, two times a day for sure, seven days a week. Sometimes, you know, you might run a triple. And so for us, having a large crew allows, you know, people allows our truck to operate, you know, that often, but also, you know, it it still allows people the opportunity to have days off, you know, and things like that. Mm. Um, because you know, if, if let's say I take the truck out in the morning, I'll bring it back, clean it up. My wife will take it out in the evening. And so, you know, we do different things like that, but we, we try to go seven days a week, uh, during the season, because I mean, in, in Ohio, there's only, so many opportunities, um, right. you know, outside of, outside of catering, you know, people aren't standing outside in zero degree weather to buy food <laughs> off of a truck. Well, that is interesting. Cause I actually it was something I was going to ask you about if there was a seasonality to your business. So, and that just adds a whole nother kind of, uh, complexity to it, right? Because you got to be sure you're out and to use your word, you know, you've got to be out hustling, man. You got to make sure that you've got, kind of the cash flow going to carry you through the off season. And do you do, do you do some catering though? in some of the off season, like, do you do some, like, I would imagine if you, if you're available to do catering that you'd probably would do some good stuff during the holiday periods and uh, some parties and what have you. Yeah. 
So what we try to do is during the winter, we try to keep our truck um, as stationary as possible. Right. Uh, and so we do, we still offer catering services. And so if there are, if they are dead set on having a truck out, if the, the dollar amount makes sense, we'll definitely bring the truck out in the winter. Um, but if not, we do drop off caterings. Um, we specialize in like second shift and third shift mm. box lunch opportunities. And that's something that we've really gotten into because of COVID, you know, just even my experience over the weekend, you know, it's you go to a Halloween party and 11 right. o'clock at night, you can't get food anywhere. Right. Uh, and so, and that's one of the issues that a lot of human resource managers are having um, again during COVID is that they like to, make sure employee morale is up. And so a lot of times they provide, you know, food catering opportunities for their staff. And outside of pizza nowadays, there isn't much that they can do for second and third shift employees. And so, you know, that's one of our niches that we have is that we'll go out second and third shift and provide, you know, food for staff. And then another thing that we're doing is we actually just ventured into the cloud kitchen space. That's a, a concept that will really, that's really fairly new here in the United States, but it's actually taken off very well and it will allow us to stay busy throughout the winter. And hopefully I can just continue that uh, throughout the summer as well. Hmm. What is that concept? What did you say? Crowdsource kitchen? Cloud kitchen. Cloud kitchen. Um, yes. Cloud kitchen. So you, uh, there's some entertainers that have ventured into this space. Guy Fury is one, a uh, couple hip-hop artists uh, like Wiz Khalifa and a few other guys. And so essentially what a cloud kitchen is, is a person is able to create a restaurant concept and strictly run it from either, if they have a truck, they can run it from their truck. But if not, they would use someone else's kitchen. Hmm. And so the way a customer would get the food is through a third-party delivery service. Okay. So if you had Randy Rose Kitchen and instead of you having to take on all the costs as a new restaurant owner, you would find a location that would let you sublease their kitchen. And so you would just offer your food to people through DoorDash, Uber Eats, Postmates, and things like that. Mm. And so for us, it was a an op- it was an opportunity to further grow our brand. You know, we live in Lake County, Ohio, but a lot of times our truck is on the west side of Cleveland or the east side. And so people that are from our area don't really have the opportunity to to purchase, you know, our, our food. And so starting in a couple of weeks, we will be operating our cloud kitchen. And so now, again, we have, we'll expand our, our, our target audience because now people that are in Lake County can order our food seven days a week and they don't have to come to a food truck. Wow, that is a great so idea. So it's just, just a way for, to, for us to expand um, our business. Uh, and to create another revenue sh- source off of jackpot chicken food truck. Yeah, sure. You talk about kind of expanding the brand, and that which leads me to a question in regards to marketing. So I know there are several different kind of apps that are out there that people can pull down and and uh, subscribe to or or look, but that would say, hey, where is there a food truck in my area or something like that? Or um, do you participate in any of that kind of stuff? What do you do for marketing, I guess, with Jackpot Chicken? Yeah, so a lot of the marketing is, is what I do myself, and that's through the use of social media. And, you know, the, to me, that's the most powerful tool uh, on the planet right now is like Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. But also we do, 
utilize some of those apps. And the main one is streetfoodfinder.com. That allows people the opportunity to find out what street food is available to them uh, in any city throughout the country. Uh, And so, you know, that's the main one that we do use. Uh, We do use a booking agency out of California um, that is national. And so a lot of times if people are looking for catering opportunities from trucks, they would reach us through that booking agency. We're, we're kind of leading into the seventh inning stretch here, but I wanted to, and coming into this is actually is a good segue. How, what is the most amount of people or orders that you've put through in an hour in your food truck? Do you have an idea? Yeah. So... The most we've done in an hour, it'd be close to like 200 people. <laughs> um, and, you know, that was a, an event where it was a very limited menu. It was a catering event. So, you know, usually when you have those type of catering opportunities, again, you scale down the menu because um, people are uh, constrained by time. Right. Uh, and, uh, if they're on their lunch hour or whatnot. And so, you know, on average, though, you're looking about 75 to about 90 people an hour on average, you know, that's with a full menu. Uh, so you're, you're definitely humping a little bit, man. It's, uh, you're, you're moving at an extremely fast pace. Yeah. No um, kidding. I can't know, even imagine that yeah, the, the, the frenzy going on in the back of the truck, trying to push out 200 orders <laughs> in an hour. That is crazy. Very, very, very fast pace. Wow. All uh, right. you know, but we, we've done like, um, the Cavs parade when they won the championship. And oh, so, yeah. you know, that's, that was, a, that was a whole nother monster. So. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, it's fun that you uh, had the truck for something like that. All right, well, here we come. And it's time for the seventh inning stretch. Coming into the seventh inning stretch here. Uh, and I know you say you love baseball, so this is good. Um, we're going to talk about, as I mentioned, uh, the speed, I guess, of uh, how quickly you can serve up something. And uh, I want to ask you a question as it relates to food and, and consumption, I guess. It, a little interesting factoid that there there's really is a correlation to a degree. Uh, a story came out in the AP News that kind of talked about that they did an analysis that said, hey, the average number of MLB teams wins compared to the number of hot dogs and sausages sold at their stadium. And they looked at and they said, hey, you know, the Dodgers, the Cubs, Yankees, Red Sox, and the Cardinals, each of whom average more than a million hot dog and sausages sold per year, are also five of the seven teams with the most wins over that same five-year period. So it was a little interesting uh, fact, I guess. <laughs> but yep. here, here's your question. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, here's the pitch. What do you think is the record for hot dogs sold at Progressive Field here in Cleveland? And it's one one event, I should say. So one night, what do you think the record number of hot dogs in one night is? I'll say 4,500 hot dogs in one night. <laughs> this is going to blow you away. In 2013 <laughs> season, they had a Sugardale $1 dog night. I love uh, those. I love those, right? 66,726. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> that is a lot of hot dogs. Man, I know when we go to those uh, dog nights, I mean, I think we, my family of four, I think we can pack away like eight or 10 just in, in between yeah. us. So yeah, no kidding. 66,000. That is a huge number, but that's not bad, Rick. So you are, you're in there. All right. Well, we'll give it to you. All right. Well, let's get back into it. Play ball. So you're an author as well as a food truck man. So you've got a book out there. So you want to be a food trucker. The truth of operating a food truck business by an actual food trucker. Family, finance, failure, and fun. What was that like? Were you pulling uh, own life experiences and putting that book together? Yeah. So writing a book is actually something I've always wanted to do since high school. But, you know, I kind of never knew what direction to go into, how to get started, never really had the time. And so last March, if I don't, well, when we were shut down for the quarantine uh, due to COVID, I said, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity for me to write this book. Uh, You know, life had slowed down for everyone. I had hours upon hours of free time. And so I just started writing away. Uh, and putting a lot of my my thoughts and experiences down on paper. Uh, And so I I started writing in March, and it was actually self-published and on Amazon by July. Hmm. Uh, So I I spent a lot of time, a lot of hours every day uh, pouring into that book. What kind of, uh, do you got a a nugget you always like to share coming out of the book? In, In regards to the food truck industry? Yeah, yeah. For me, the, the one, the one nugget that I, w- I would give anyone from the book is that everything that glitters isn't gold. You know, they're, they're, the food truck industry is is extremely um, intriguing and, and glamorous from the outside looking in. You know, but there's a lot of downsides to it. You know, as well, and so that's where the family fun, finance, and failure comes into play. Is because I actually give life experiences, mm. uh, and so if a person is willing to persevere uh, through some of those tough times, it, it really can be a rewarding uh, business to to own and operate. But again, there's going to be some struggles for sure. Mm, I bet. I bet. So you mentioned you say that you've always wanted to write a book, and I'm curious about that. What was that? What was that motivation to, or that itch, I guess? Do you have any idea why you always wanted to write a book? Well, English was my favorite subject in school. And so, you know, I guess reading all the time. And then, you know, when I was in college, I enjoyed the long papers. You know, I mm. I would rather write a 50-page paper over taking a 20-question test uh, any day of the week. And so, you know, for me, it was just always just being able to express myself through writing. It was always, you know, something that I enjoyed. And so I just wanted to be able to finally write a book. Mm, that's great. Well, uh, so people can uh, find your book uh, out on Amazon, right? Correct. Yes. All right. Uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble uh, are the places you can find it online. Okay. All right. You talk about COVID, and I am curious. Um, operating a business during a pandemic, uh, some of our one of our past guests. Uh, kind of throughout this whole concept about pivot and pivoting your business and, and yeah. knowing when yeah. to pivot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious yeah. on as a food truck driver operator, what and how did you pivot and in your operation during 
COVID during the pandemic? Yeah. So I guess that's a, uh, I can give you multiple answers to that question. Uh, the first one is when the, the pan- pandemic first started, everything was shut down. And so, you know, there was no one at work. And so I had to pivot my operation from being mobile to actually being stationary, which is the complete opposite of what you want to do when you have a food truck. And so I just found an app uh, online that I was able to create a menu and send out messages uh, through social media, text messages, what alerts to people that, hey, I would be in this area and this is our menu and this, you know, and so it gave people an opportunity where we were living uh, during the, the initial stages of the pandemic to you know, have alternative to, you know, to uh, the meals that they would be eating on a normal basis. Uh, you know, there was a lot of shortages on different things in the grocery stores. And so, you know, people loved it. They came out. Uh, we did a lot of neighborhood events during the initial stages of COVID mm-hmm. uh, because people were at home, you know, and they felt safer just coming to a truck and ordering versus, you know, going into a, a restaurant and whatnot. And then also, you know, uh, we pivoted our, our model from being a, a type of truck that would just go to different businesses or whatnot and just kind of, hey, we're here. We hope people come out, you know, and purchase food to, hey, now we're a, uh, primarily a catering truck. And that's probably 90% of our business right now. And a lot of that was because of how we had to pivot during COVID. A lot of companies shut down their dining hall services within their their businesses and they wanted people to go outside and so the timing of the pandemic it was going into the spring and the summer it was a perfect opportunity for us because these corporations wanted people outside you know they were paying for their staff to eat Mm -hmm. uh and so it was just a wonderful combination for us was this summer a little bit different than 2020 obviously was in the heat of the pandemic but 2021, you know, life started kind of coming back a little bit. And I don't know if you, you know, do you go around? So like if there was an Indians game in town, do you go and hang out down there? I don't know what the process or policies are around that, but can you go and do that at the Indians games? Did you start that back up during the 2020 or uh, the 21 summer and some of those things? I don't know if you do like other festivals or things like that. Yeah, like so, like, like I mentioned, we we are primarily a, a catering truck now at this okay. stage of the game for us, and I'll, I'll take guaranteed revenue over sure. you know going to an game any day of the week. There are some of those opportunities. Cleveland's a little bit different because there aren't a lot of places for you to just park and street vend, but you know there are places we can you know you can uh, purchase a a parking space and you know set up and sell. Uh, but for me. You know, just being where I'm at in the food truck business now, we always go with the guaranteed money. And so for us, things have opened up. This was our most successful season ever, but it's because we transitioned our business model to primarily being a catering uh, company. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. I I, I agree. I always like guaranteed revenue uh, versus the For guests. Sure. Yeah, that's good. Well, I'm glad that you were at the event that I was attending. So I got a chance to uh, sample some of your food and see the operation at hand. What do you see coming around the corner for uh, Jackpot Chicken? So we're, we're actually very excited. We, we've operated the one truck for this next season will be our sixth year. 
Um, again, like I said, in a couple of weeks, we'll be operating a cloud kitchen. Uh, but my wife and I are actually going to be purchasing um, our second truck here uh, shortly. And so that is just huge for us. It's a great opportunity for us to scale our business. I'll operate one truck, she'll operate the other. Um, and it's just, you know, it means the world to us is because, you know, we've persevered through a lot uh, within our business, you know. Sure. And it just shows that small business is still alive, it's thriving, you can grow, but, you know, sometimes you just have to grow um, at a slower pace, but, you know, ultimately you can still obtain all your goals. Oh, that is awesome. Well, good for you. I'm glad to see it, man. Maybe I'll, I'll see the uh, the jackpot truck out uh, more frequently than <laughs> with a second truck. Yeah. On the road. I love it. All right. So here we come. We're down to the bottom of the ninth, Rick. And this is where I get to ask all of our guests, what advice do you have for rookies in the game? You know, those folks starting out in business um, or thinking about starting their own business. I mean, you're a, you're a grizzled veteran of uh, the business world of successful businesses, entrepreneurship. Um, What kind of advice do you have for those folks though? The one thing I alluded to earlier is you have to be passionate about whatever business that you, you choose to get into. Because if you're not passionate about it, ultimately it's going to fail. And so that's why I said, turn your passion into profits. How can you do that? And the second thing I would say would just be to do you, you know, do you and, and everyone else will adjust uh, accordingly. And I say that because there are so many times and I, I've experienced this personally and, and I see it with young entrepreneurs if someone says, hey, I just got this great job, I'm going to work 50, 60 hours a week, and they're going to pay me $50,000, everyone in the world is going to applaud you. Mm. I just, you just got this wonderful job, you're on, you're on a path to retirement. But if you tell someone, hey, I have this vision, I have this idea, I, I want to start this company, there's going to be more naysayers then it will be people patting on your back and saying, hey, how can I help you? Yeah. And, and so for me, that's why I just say, do you. What is it that you're passionate about? Have tunnel vision, set some goals, some realistic goals for yourself, and, and just go to work. Figure out a ways to you know achieve all your goals and just understand that everyone's not going to support you. And that's just, that's just what it is. You know, uh, sometimes people, they're not like-minded. Entrepreneurs think a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And, and so what we, what we see as opportunities, you know, other people see as, as risk. So the hardest thing is, is to get started. The hardest thing is having zero dollars in your bank account, having zero followers. How do you go from from zero, you know, and step one to step two? And once you figure that out, the ball just kind of gets rolling. There's nothing but great opportunities to come from there. Yeah, yeah. Outstanding words. I love that. Do you. That is that is the best quote right there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, listen, Rick, thanks so much, man, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And it's been great to learn more about your business and food truck business and and really just learning about, you know, how you grew it and uh, what keeps it going. So I, I appreciate you being on the show with us today. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. It's a great opportunity. All right. All right. So for those folks, you can check out uh, Jackpot Chicken Food Truck. They're all over social media. You can figure out uh, what their schedules are, go and uh, get connected with them, line them up for some catering, holiday parties, that kind of stuff. 
And also check out Rick's book on Amazon or on Barnes and Noble, and we'll have links to uh, his book and and uh, various social platforms in the show notes. So be sure to check that out; would be great. And as we say, that's the ball game. So thanks for joining us today. And if you like our show, hey, please tell your friends, subscribe and review, and we'll see you around the ballpark. Running the bases with small businesses is brought to you by. 38 Digital Market, a digital marketing agency committed to client growth with lead generation, higher conversions, and increased sales. Connect with us today at 38digitalmarket.com.